All right, hello and welcome back to the Basic Bible Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Thompson, and joining me again today, the one, the only, because the world can't take two of him, is Ray Jewell. Ray, welcome back. Thanks, Kevin. It's always a pleasure to be with you today, and I'm especially excited to be here. We're back in Lincoln, Illinois, to back do on the road. another uh, segment at uh, Lincoln Christian University. Today, uh, we have two guests. I'm going to introduce one, and he's going to introduce the other. But uh, Dr. Rich Knopp is, the, is a philosophy theology professor at Lincoln Christian University, and he is also the director of Room for Doubt, which is a, a worldview uh, ministry that uh, covers it from a little bit different angle than most people would look mm. for, you know, when you're talking about doubt. A lot of people like Christian doubt, no, you know, kind of thing. So it's a unique approach, I think, and uh, is uh, something I know that Rich is it's near and dear to his heart, and he's been working on for for quite a while. So welcome to the podcast, Rich. My pleasure. Thanks. Now, Rich, it should be said, you also, I mean, you, you've accomplished much in your life, and probably one of your greatest accomplishments is you survived a friendship with Ray for many years. <laughs> it, how, how? What's the secret to that? Is there some sort of magic formula or... Actually, um, I think you're being a little presumptuous that I have survived. Ah, that, that's true. <laughs> so, uh, but on that assumption, I keep a safe distance mm. at necessary times. <laughs> so that's the secret to surviving. That's right. it. Yeah. Okay. He never had me in his classes, so... <laughs> 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 and so, Rich, uh, introduce us to our, our, our fourth guest here. In the room. Well, uh, I have with me, we have with uh, us, uh, Dr. Zach Breitenbach. Zach is a former student of mine, came here, I don't know, seven, eight years ago or whatever, to do a master's uh, with me in Christian apologetics, finished up and then went on to teach about four years at a, a Christian high school in Florida. Um, Zach was an extremely capable of students, one of the best students I've had, if not the best, since I've been here at Lincoln. So I always uh, appreciated and respected what he was doing in teaching Christian high school, but I was kind of on him fairly persistently, mm. wanting him to pursue other work. So uh, he finally uh, resigned his teaching position so he could pursue PhD studies full time mm. at uh, Liberty University. And as it turns out, just yesterday, Zach uh, did his oral defense and uh, passed that experience, and so uh, he either has been formally awarded a PhD or is coming very, very soon. Mm -hmm. So uh, I have uh, recently hired Zach as an assistant director to work with me with the Room for Doubt project, and he'll also be doing some uh, teaching here at Lincoln Christian University. So welcome, Zach. Thank you very much. And so is it official now? Is this the first time that you've had the title Dr. In public, <laughs> attributed to yeah, you. Yeah, uh, Rich's wife, uh, Paula, was calling me that a lot yesterday. <laughs> I'm still getting used to it. So, uh, yeah. And and congratulations as a as a fellow uh, Liberty grad. So flame on. Oh, nice! You're a Liberty <laughs> grad. Excellent. Not a PhD yet, though. I'm still hoping for some sort of honorary doctorate. <laughs> um, but Jerry Falwell Jr. has blocked me on Twitter, so I don't see that coming. <laughs> All right. But that's for completely different reasons. So anyway, we're, we're talking about doubt. We're going to get to uh, room for doubt. Um, but it's an interesting time as we're recording this. Uh, just in the past week or so, we've seen two 
uh, headline Christian or former Christian uh, people come forward. Josh Harris of the I Kiss Dating Goodbye fame has expressed that he's had some doubts about his faith for some time, and now he's come out and said he doesn't believe he's a Christian, at least in the fashion he would have previously defined that. And now uh, we have this uh, musician from Hillsong who has also said he's been experiencing a lot of doubt about his faith. And so the, the secret in the room, or the secret that is not really a secret at all, is that a lot of Christians struggle with doubt. And not a lot of Christians are willing to come up and say that, though. Uh, it doesn't seem as though the church today makes room for doubt, because we have almost this, this tension between faith and doubt, and you're just supposed to have faith, and if you have doubt, go back to the faith, and that should solve everything. So let's not talk about it. But that creates the bigger problem that that doubt is not being addressed. And the only people who are addressing it would be the seculars, would be uh, those outside the church who would feed into that. And so now we have this problem of people leaving the church, and it just seems like it's a problem that shouldn't be. So, uh, Rich, tell us a little bit about this whole situation of how can we address this? How can we uh, change this this dangerous situation, I think? Well, the couple people you mentioned are kind of visible indicators of a larger issue yeah. that we have in our global culture and the church in general. But you're correct. Uh, the church environment has not been a welcoming place yeah. for anybody, whether they be youth or adults, to express questions and candidly articulate any doubts that they might have. And so um, that that just festers. You know, it, it, you can ignore things for only so long, and then uh, the doubts continue to, to be stimulated by a variety of input that, that we get from our media and quickly accessible internet, social media sources. And so um, I think one of the worst kind of doubts, as others have expressed, uh, is unexpressed doubt. Yeah. And so I think what we're seeing, you know, with these more visible highlight people is just what's going on in the lives of other people right. that we don't hear so much about. And so uh, one of our fundamental perceptions uh, that kind of provided the rationale for the title for our program, Room for Doubt, as well as for the impetus for the program, is just the recognition that the church needs to change its mood right. and its mentality when it comes to dealing with mm. tough questions and candid doubts about faith. You know, when you're, you're talking about that, in my mind, it's when... It, we sort of minimalize God if we don't allow for doubt. I mean, if God is who he says he is and we believe that he is, his shoulders are way big enough to handle any doubts that we would have, and he will answer those doubts in his way and his time. And that's that's why it just is seems so... Out, you know, just out of whack thinking for the church to run away from the doubt, especially among pastors. You know, the pastors are supposed to be the know-it-all people in the church, and they they're trained to know it all, and they're and they act like they know it all. And and you know, you don't ever see a pastor show doubt. Well, yeah, you do. It's called burnout, and it's called other things. And and you know, a lot of people are 
pushing back against that. And it, and it is, it's a crisis. It's, it's a pandemic in the church. And it's very, you know, something that is an uphill battle to, to deal with that. From my perspective and from Kevin's perspective, as we work in the local church and as we try to educate kids, you know, about how do, how do you deal with these issues that everybody else is just saying, well, you can't talk about them. Zach, let me ask you, mm-hmm. you, you taught in Christian school for a while, yeah. and you know, I'm a Christian school teacher as well, uh, and I've had students come to me in the cloak of darkness when no one else can see, and they come and say, Mr. Thompson, can I talk to you? You know, I'm real quiet. You're not going to believe this. But I don't know if this stuff is true. How do you mm-hmm. know the Bible? Have you ever had that experience? Oh, yeah. I, I've actually continued to have that experience with former students. Mm. I've, I've had former students contact me uh, since I left that teaching position at the high school and have expressed significant doubts. Uh, one student in particular, I obviously won't give his name, but he, uh, him and I have gone back and forth for a long time yeah. uh, on a lot of issues. Um, so, And while I was there, um, they were very interested in having their questions addressed because as you, were just, you guys were just mentioning, that doesn't happen enough. Right. Uh, so we would have anonymous Q&A days where they would yeah. you know, submit anonymous questions and, and I would answer them. And that was, that was like their favorite time of the yeah. class when we would do that. Uh, instead of just hearing what I wanted to say to them, you know, they were getting their own questions addressed. Yeah. And, it was just something that, that doesn't happen enough for them, you can tell. It's always funny for me because it, it seems like these kids always think they're the only one. In reality, they're not. Um, but what you said was really interesting is that they want the questions answered. It, it's, and that's, at least from my ministry perspective in the, in the short number of years I've been in ministry, is that these people who are expressing doubt want that doubt resolved. It's not just merely an attack on the faith. And I think sometimes I had that temptation to, to, to look at it from that perspective. Because you've been sitting under my ministry, my tutelage. How could you possibly have these doubts if, you know, I, I teach worldviews and I teach uh, some apologetics. And it almost seems like an attack on me personally if these kids come. But that's not the case. Um, and, and it seems as though we... We want these things to be resolved. There's a willingness to listen if there's a willingness to address the topic. Um, and so, uh, Rich, tell us a little bit about this curriculum, Room for Doubt, and, and how this can be implemented and how this can, can really address this problem. Well, Room for Doubt is uh, an apologetics project that is involved in worldview pursuits, as uh, Ray has indicated earlier. Um, it is a multifaceted effort that has a website, uh, a new mobile app that we just released a few months ago, but we also have a six-week message mm-hmm. and discussion curriculum. So uh, that particular curriculum is designed for um, entire churches, other Christian ministries, Christian schools, yeah. camps, etc. And so, and Ray's phone is ringing. I don't know why Ray's phone. Well, is in the middle of our podcast. he was talking about God a while ago. <laughs> yeah, and God would would answer these. Issues, you know, in an appropriate and timely way. Yeah, he's tired of me so, babbling about it. I think that uh, Ray must have some 
inner doubts of some sort, and God is calling. To Should we put this on speakerphone? <laughs> so, yeah, let, let's hear God. Well, it's a trivia question of the day, so I doubt it. <laughs> what does God hear, uh, sound like on the cell phone there? Right? <laughs> now we're getting into a whole different realm of gifts, and does God still speak audibly today? Yeah. Okay, we, so... We've anyway. diverted a little bit, I think. <laughs> so what we're trying to do is, is change the mood uh, in Christian environments. Yeah and encourage people to ask questions and to address the doubts with the hope that we will strengthen their faith. Hmm. Um, the first thing to do is to get candid conversations pertaining to the questions and doubts. And that's not easy right. when there has been such a conditioned environment, as you pointed out earlier, kind of an, an antithesis between faith and doubt. And, and if your faith's good, then you don't have any right. doubts and, and vice versa. And so... Uh, many young people, I mean, statistics bear this out, you know, the ones who have been churched young people and who have wandered away from church and or their faith, they look back and they just, you know, a, a, a third of them at least say they had significant doubts as church teenagers, yeah. but the doubts were not expressed. They felt like they couldn't ask the most pressing right. life questions in the context of church. So one thing to do is to change that mood and mentality to make candid conversations possible, yeah. but then to provide some responses to mm -hmm. these. I mean, it's one thing just to have room for doubt, and right. the, you know, the title of the program is a little bit ironic for an apologetics kind of program right. that's supposed to be designed toward you know, defending faith. Room for doubt. Well, come to us. We'll help you doubt more. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's designed as a as a doorway, okay, a front door to encourage people to walk through that doorway and express the doubts in a non-intimidating, non-judgmental context. Yeah. And then just say without arrogance as much as possible, without overconfidence, and preachers don't know it all, right? right. Although right. a lot of oh, them yeah. think that, and it's yeah. a terrible con uh, a combination to have people who think they know it all who don't. Right. Well, and, and then people in the church think that the preacher knows it all too. Yeah, and, and that makes they're just as worse. wrong about yeah, that right. as yeah. he, he is otherwise. But the fact is, many many church leaders these days just do not have special uh, education or preparation in Christian apologetics. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, you look at the curriculum in most Christian Bible colleges and Christian colleges. Now, you know, you're doing Christian worldview and done properly. All of that is apologetics right. in a broader sense. Mm -hmm. But specifically addressing the kind of particular questions that are addressed, often it's not in the curricula. Yeah. It's certainly not covered hardly at all in any church context. Right. And therefore, the church leaders are not adequately prepared to address these questions. I'm curious. Do you think that's because we're living in a different age now? Because you go back a couple of generations, but even back a couple of years, and there was some, a lot of this stuff was just kind of assumed. I assume the guy speaking in the pulpit up on Sunday morning, opening the Bible, because he's speaking from the Bible, I can trust this and it's true. Whereas we don't have that foundation anymore. We're, we're in a different society that we can't make these assumptions with. Yeah, and the biggest variable for that question is just instant access to global information right. at the ease of what people carry in their purse or their pocket. Yeah. Okay. Or the cell phone that's ringing in Ray's pocket. Yeah, and, and then, you know, you allow God to call in. <laughs> but th that is just um, incalculably influential. Hmm. 
it's both good because it gives Christian people an opportunity, you know, for positive, uplifting, instructional communication. But at the same right. time, when people start having questions and doubts, they tend to coalesce around other groups, yeah. you know, on social media who are expressing the same kind of doubts. And so it's kind of a symbiotic, let's feed one another's questions and doubts. And they don't have the input from other people who really care about them right. and who could guide them through it in a way that is um, inviting yeah. for them. I mean, you know, you can tell somebody where to go, what to do, and all that kind of business. But you can do it in such an arrogant, overconfident, right. know-it-all kind of fashion, you end up doing more harm to the Christian truth yeah. claims than you're, you're a help. But I see that as the primary difference. Hmm. And what we're picking up on, therefore, is not just a more established cultural pluralism, but we have more access to the kind of individuals you referred to yeah. earlier. Mm -hmm. And so they may not know themselves specifically about Richard Dawkins or Sam Harris or right. you know the rest of the more well-known atheists, but they get it from YouTube videos yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, they're picking up on those kinds of influences that are influenced right. by people like Dawkins and others. And that is what we're contending with yeah. now. And so when young people or adults, for that matter, are being influenced constantly by those kinds of, uh, of notions, they sit in a congregation. They're listening to this person up front who's declaring, you know, in some imperative fashion, the absolute truth about what's going on. But in the recesses of their mind, if not in the forefront of their mind, they are questioning, why should I believe it? Yeah. But they're constantly bombarded on what it is they're supposed to believe. Right. And then they're condemned when they don't believe what they're supposed to believe, yeah. but they're not adequately given some helpful resources as to why they ought to believe it right. in the first place. That's what Room for Doubt is trying to address. Okay, so how does Room for Doubt, what, what's on the practical level, how can this be implemented what can you know? So a pastor's listening. He's thinking, "This is great." Okay, so how do I put this in the hands of my congregants? Well, about five years ago, we got a great team of people to help us produce some top quality material. Uh, we worked directly with three guys who were on staff together at Willow Creek Community Church: um, Lee Strobel, Mark Middleberg, who is a close associate uh, with uh, Lee. And with Gary Poole, who has mm. written many of Lee Strobel's uh, discussion guides for his best-selling books. So those three guys partnered with uh, us and produced a six-week curriculum covering core topics. Mm. Okay. Uh, we met with uh, some megachurch pastors in the earlier days just to talk to them about what would work best for you. Yeah. How long of a series you know, would be manageable for you in a practical church context. And basically, we came up with six weeks. Okay, Any more than that was too long. Any less than that, we felt like, would not be adequate. So right. we opted for six weeks. And then it was a question of uh, what are some of the core principles of Christian truth that need to be addressed that are typically the targets of questions and doubt? So doubt itself. Yeah. Can we or should we look at doubt in any kind of a positive way? So uh, this six-week uh, curriculum covers question about doubt. It covers questions about God's existence, about the claims of Christ, about the reliability of Scripture, about tragedy and suffering, about the exclusive claims of Christianity. And given this pluralistic environment in which we find ourselves, um, 
I think our young people, church young people especially, are facing what I call a cultural theological crunch. On the theological side, they constantly hear the, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes. At the same time, on the cultural side, they have, even though they don't have as many close friends, which is another you know, issue yeah. that you have to deal with. They have more friends, more instant communication on social media. But what they pick up on are all of these influences where they are meeting more people yeah. whom they consider as good people. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And in some ways they're they're more gracious and giving and loving yeah. than the Christian friends that they got back right. at the church. And so what I think they're really dealing with psychologically and theologically and culturally is this crunch where you've got the claims of Christianity on the one hand, but at the same time, they're asking, how can my good friend, yeah. who is loving and generous, maybe they're you know, part of a sexual identity Right. movement of some sort, or maybe they're just non-Christian, maybe they're Hindu, maybe they're Buddhist, maybe they're atheist. I mean, right now, Gen Z, the youngest generation, 13% now now profess to be atheist, yeah. which has doubled previous generations. So what they're hearing culturally on the other side is all this, and I think they just can't reconcile the two. Right. And so when it comes to push and shove, uh, often it's the Christian side of it that gets yeah. pushed away. And they say things, or they're thinking things like this. If that's the kind of God that Christianity is involved with in worshiping, that's not the kind of God that I want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the kind of God that would say, you got to do things my way or I'm going to put you in hell forever. That exactly. doesn't seem like a very loving God. So, so the six-week message yeah. and curriculum series um, provides resources uh, to open up that conversation to make it a candid conversation. So we provide message manuscripts. We've got adult and youth discussion mm-hmm. guides. Now, given our recent technological advancements in the last six months, all of that is available on mobile devices. Mm. So, I mean, you can print them out, make it with the PDFs really nice, or if you want it really expense, you can have a professional uh, printer print out the discussion guides. But we wanted the material to be quickly and easily yeah. available. So. You could have these resources and special resources then for leaders. Right. So once a church acquires our material, uh, they receive a license key now. And the license key is used by the leaders involved with that series as well as all the participants in a congregation or ministry. They use that license key to access special leader content, which includes all kinds of videos, Hmm. sermon bumpers, discussion starters, a variety of other video type resources, uh, but also gives participants uh, access to the discussion Mm -hmm. questions that are part of that. So it's been greatly successful so far. We just peaked about 160 different churches that are represented who have already done this six-week series. More are joining that all the time. And so uh, if you or your church is interested in giving a particular emphasis to the needs of answering questions and doubts. Roomfordoubt.com is the place to go. I'll give you an overview of that six-week series, and then in addition to that, just a host of additional resources that are available. Yeah, there's lots of, there's samples on there, there's videos on there you can see. 
Zach, tell us you're you're kind of new here with the Room for Doubt. Tell us what's your what's been your experience. How have you found this to be beneficial? Oh, I've actually been involved in it um, since the start. Okay, I'm just degree. kidding. You've been along the whole time. <laughs> well, I haven't been working uh, officially uh, or in a paid capacity for very long at all. But I, I have been involved in answering the questions that have been submitted. So I've been a contributor hmm. to the content of the website uh, for since the beginning, um, and that's been that's been great. Uh, just uh, I don't I couldn't tell you how many questions I've answered, but quite a few, and they've been good questions. Um, we've rec- received good feedback from mm-hmm. the different um, folks that have received answers to these. I think it's really helping people. So I've I've enjoyed being a part of that for a while, and I'm excited to get to be even more of a part of it now. And uh, you know, we just went to a, a camp up in Minnesota uh, just the other week, and that was that was a, I think a huge success. Mm-hmm. Uh, just working with. Um, 11th, 12th graders, college freshmen, uh, answering a lot of their questions, uh, presenting on a lot of apologetics topics. I'm looking forward to doing more with teenagers. That's part of my mm. role is to, uh, we're looking to develop a curriculum for Christian high schools. Uh, of course, since I was a, a teacher of apologetics at a Christian high school, I've already got a lot of material yeah. that I've used, and I'm going to be tweaking that and improving that. Um, we want to roll out some sort of a curriculum that we can provide and help schools to teach apologetics yeah. to teens because we just believe that's very important right. uh, for that age group to especially to hear this stuff. Um, and we're working on a, a camp materials too. Oh, really? We uh, we did this the other week, but we're we're going to try to always continue to tweak and improve mm-hmm. it and and develop sort of a, a curriculum of material that can be used for. Christian apologetics camps, summer camps for teenagers and that sort of thing. So I'm just really excited about that because uh, I have a heart for that, for teenagers. been working with them for a number of years, and I just believe that's a very important age. Um, so among the many things I'll be doing, um, that's uh, what I'm especially excited mm-hmm. about. It's, it's really great to hear that because it's been needed as long as I can remember growing up in high school and stuff. I mean... About the only one that it seemed like that was doing worldview stuff back then was Francis Schaeffer, and I just couldn't quite grasp what he was saying <laughs> half the time. But uh, you know, and then studying under Strauss, you never understood him. But uh, you, <laughs> you learned more in the coffee shop with him. I did anyway. <laughs> but the the two things that sort of come to my mind. First of all, what I said earlier, we got to allow God to be as big as He actually is. So doubt is nothing to him. I mean, he deals with it in Scripture constantly, and he comes back with an answer that is done in his way and his time. Then the other thing is, uh, Rich, as you were talking about the disconnect and stuff, part of it is the approach, like I said, that Christians have. And somebody said the the greatest apologetic that we can have today as Christians is to actually live like Jesus lived. You know, to act like he acted, to love people in spite of their sin or in spite of the the ways that they would rub against us. And you know, somehow the conservative branch of Christianity has gotten away from that and they're all about doctrine and doing it the right way or at least the perceived right way. And, uh, you know, really, well, look at the at the shape of evangelicalism today. It's all wrapped up in that kind of mentality and it's just being I just read a podcast by Paul Axton today or not a podcast but a blog about 
you know, it's imploding. Evangelicalism is imploding, and I think he's right because, you know, we're we're used to it being a certain way, and God, God presents things in a lot of different ways, and a lot a lot of different cultures that we have to speak into, and you know, if we're going to be stubborn and think that our way is the only way, then we're not going to get anywhere, and I I think that's the fruit of the of uh, our past is we're just not getting anywhere. We're we're losing the game. So to get back into that, we have to alter our Well, thinking. let me put a little more positive spin on things. Okay. <laughs> I mean, all, what you've registered, you know, all of that is, uh, is correct and disconcerting, mm-hmm. and we need to give attention to it. But I think this is a, a, a heyday for Christian apologetics mm-hmm. in the best sense. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of good people and Christian ministries uh, that are doing excellent apologetics, and we will be contributing, you know, yeah. to that mm-hmm. to that enterprise. But this is a prime opportunity for us to sure. be the kind of people that God has called us to be in the right. first place. There's no question about that. But there is a spectrum here, right? I mean, you can be at one end and just be all propositional and not worry about the living it out stuff. Mm-hmm. But at the other hand, even though love is the final apologetic as Francis Schaeffer said years and years ago, uh, and in a way, as Jesus said in John 17, uh, you can love people and you can do good things, you can live like Jesus lives, but never bring up the specific truth claims and present uh, cogently uh, those truth claims in a way that would really be a persuasive difference for people. Mm -hmm. And so I see the, the other side of it is that some Christians are pursuing the lifestyle almost exclusively yeah. to the point where, well, this, if I confront anybody, if I present them any truth claim that somehow challenges their belief system, then I'm not being PC about it. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm not being loving about it. And so it's very delicate balance that we need to try to pursue here. Mm-hmm. But sometimes saying things that are true in a loving way, even though they may, what you're saying may grate against the belief system of somebody, may in fact be the most loving thing that you right. can do for them. Mm-hmm. And so that's where we have this, um, you know, need for real wisdom. Right. You know, mm-hmm. God give us wisdom, because every single day we have multiple opportunities to interact with people, and we can either. Uh, have no influence at all because we choose not to say anything, or we're so wishy-washy about right. things that we never communicate anything, or we can be so harsh yeah. in presenting what we consider to be truth that we have a harmful effect there. So for every opportunity we have coming our way, we need to pray for the kind of wisdom where we have boldness to speak out, mm-hmm. but at the same time we've got the compassion right. uh, on them as individuals to help them work things through, because we are fellow journeyers here, yeah. right? I mean, we we don't have all the answers right. either. Mm-hmm. And so if we can communicate that in a loving kind of fashion and open up the conversation, I really think that the Christian faith can have, once again, a major cultural influence, whether we call it evangelicalism, you know, right. that's another issue. Mm-hmm. I'm much less concerned about evangelicals as a term Mm -hmm. or as an identified social group than I am what I'm doing 
as a Christian individual right. and what we can do as a Christian ministry mm -hmm. to make a difference on behalf of Christ in a very mm -hmm. complex world. All right, well, we are running out of time. In fact, we're already over time. I'm not surprised. Yeah, um, <laughs> and we can continue on. I, you know, I, I'd even think about bringing I, up biblical okay. examples, you know, yeah. Job and even John the Baptist with the end of his life. There, there are uh, strong Christians who yet still have doubt because we, we don't have, as 1 Corinthians tells us, we don't have all the answers yet. We're, we're looking through a, a glass darkly. We don't have everything. Everything has not yet, yet been revealed. So, uh, on a practical level, and on a practical note here, uh, how, what, what advice would you guys give to somebody who is struggling in their faith? They're, they're maybe in a good church, maybe they've been raised in that church, they know the right answers, but they're just not confident that it is the right answer. Um, and they're a little afraid to, to even say anything about it, because they're in a culture where that's frowned upon, and they would be looked down upon for even expressing that. What, what advice and what encouragement can you give them? Well, one you alluded to, and that is the Bible doesn't ignore it yeah. or cover it up. In fact, one of the encouraging things to me is that Scripture is very honest about sharing stories of people both in Old and New Testaments who are considered as kind of heroes of faith, mm -hmm. right, on the one hand, and yet there were people who expressed serious questions right. and even serious doubts. I mean, you know, John the Baptist yeah. that you mentioned, he's saying, you know, behold the Lamb of God at one point, and then, you know, a little bit later when his circumstances change. Yeah. You know, then he's saying, are you the one or should we be looking for somebody else? Mm. I mean, that's pretty serious right. instance of doubt. So it's not just Thomas who, you know, gets all yeah. the, the doubt stuff thrown in his face. So one thing, it's a, it's, it's a biblical thing, and you should be encouraged that you're not the only one. Mm -hmm. Doubting right. is normal. The only time you shouldn't doubt is when you have absolute, 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 absolute certainty. And I would say, as a philosopher, uh, you know, my, my academic degrees in philosophy, we just don't have that. Yeah. So it, so doubt is a logical necessity mm. as a consequence of not having absolute, absolute certainty. Right. So, even so let's some, just be honest about it and then say, okay, we're going to have doubts. Yeah. So, some of our verbiage then is sort of counterintuitive when we talk about absolute truth. I mean, that, that, that's really not a helpful category, is it? Well, it's a category that needs to be qualified and explained. Yeah. Right. right. I mean, I have I've got an article I published in the area of ethics in which we're talking about, you know, absolute principles or truths in the area of moral philosophy. And I think that one of the big problems for why people reject the terminology and the concept is because they misunderstand what it means or they don't properly understand what it doesn't mean. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we need to give proper clarification to, to what it is. But anyway, you know, let them know it's normal. Letting them know yeah. that they're identified with biblical characters who are actually commended yeah. in context for having the questions and even the doubts that they share. So, and then it's a matter of, of doing something with it. Right. Okay. Sharing with others who care for you, who, if they don't have some helpful responses to give, can put you in touch with responses or resources that can provide those helpful. Yeah. Uh, uh, that helpful input. Um, so, let's not cover it up, guys. Yeah. 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 Zach, any final thoughts? Yeah, yeah. People need to know there's 
there's objective truth. We have good reason to think there is, but that doesn't mean we're always going to have all the answers. We're going to know all the, the these truths uh, with, with any kind of complete certainty. There's always going to be questions that we have, um, but uh, I think there's uh, there's very powerful evidence, um, and and if people seek it out, um, I think they can be greatly comforted. Mm-hmm. I think the Christian worldview is is a very reasonable faith, um, and uh, and there's there's so many different multiple independent lines of evidence that can give us confidence yeah. that that what we believe is is true. It is the objective truth. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean we're going to erase every question that anybody could possibly have. Uh, that's not reasonable to to expect, but. Um, but anyone who, who truly seeks God, I think uh, he's given us enough evidence yeah. that we can be uh, very confident. So that's what, that's what we're all about, is helping people to have confidence um, that, that our faith is a reasonable faith. And that's where we're going to leave off on the conversation for this week. But next week, we're going to jump right back in, because as you can tell, the conversation just kept going. We went on for about an hour, so we have another about 25 minutes to, to go through. And I think this is a—you don't want to miss this, because we do get into some of those biblical examples— And the conversation just keeps on going. And trust me, you want to tune in next week to hear more about this. So until then, make sure to check out our website. And we're going to try some new stuff up there, www.basicbiblepodcast.com. And then um, check us out on Twitter, of course, at uh, Basic Biblecast. And on Instagram at the same thing, uh, the same handle. But don't forget to check out the Room for Doubt website, which um, is packed full of stuff that you're going to want to check out. So that's roomfordoubt.com, roomfordoubt.com. You can learn more about their different curriculums and all the different stuff on the apps and the websites. Ask questions on there. It really is a great apologetic resource. If, if you know someone who's struggling with the faith or someone's coming to you asking questions or Quite frankly, if you have questions, this is a great resource. I cannot recommend this enough. You want to check this out, www.roomfordoubt.com. So I want to thank our guests for for taking the time. And again, don't forget to join us next week. I know it's been a long time since we've had a podcast, but we are back, and we've got great episodes for you, and I am thrilled to be back. So check us out. Oh, don't forget to check out our website. Uh, Not our website, but our Facebook page. Google us. Basic Bible Podcast. Get our get on our group chat, and not our group chat, but just our, our Facebook page, our group, and uh, join the conversation there. So until next time, have a great rest of your week. Mm-hmm.